Hello everybody, I'm Sean and welcome back to the Crock Time Podcast, delivering weekly updates on markets and geopolitics, providing you with valuable insights and unique perspectives on events and trends shaping the world. The Western world is aging rapidly. Many countries are struggling to come up with a good solution to the slow-moving yet steadily growing problem. Many misconceptions about an aging society accompany this trend. Today, we are going to tackle one of them. First, we're going to look at Japan's experience as a case study, and then we're going to analyze whether an aging society is inflationary or deflationary. Ready? Great. So let's cut to the chase. When we think about an aging society, our thoughts immediately go to Japan, South Korea, and other developed Western countries. As the fertility rate drops, replacement rates fall, and the average age of the population steadily grows, how will governments and societies cope and adapt to an old population? In the last few decades, the world has had a chance to look and study Japan as the most prominent case study. Its population peaked in 2009 and has fallen by almost 5 million people since then to 123 million as of November 2023. The reality is, the country has struggled to turn the tide around, even with generous benefits and innovative ideas. It has failed to stem the population decline and is now accepting considerably more migrants. Yet its population is still falling rapidly. One notable and interesting consequence of this aging society has been a total absence of inflation in Japan for decades. Since the Japanese real estate bubble popped in 1990, the country's inflation rate has consistently been below the central bank's 2% objective. The inflation rate has actually flirted with deflation for many years now. Between the year 2000 and 2004, inflation struggled to get over 0%. And for another four full years between 2009 and 2013, deflation again affected the country. The country's GDP growth rate has also struggled to improve in the last 30 years. But things have changed now, or so it seems. As supply chain challenges emerged from the reopening after COVID-19, combined with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and an energy shock in Europe, a wave of inflation was unleashed onto the global stage, which is also affecting Japan. The country's central bank is now hoping that deflation is a thing of the past. They are trying really hard to ensure that 2% inflation is embedded in the country. They know what deflation is like, and they want wages to also increase, creating a wage-price spiral to improve the country's economic picture. All other central banks around the world want the exact opposite. Having experienced wage price spirals in the 1970s, they are hoping to quickly get rid of inflation to avoid wages picking up too much. So far, it seems to be working as inflation is falling rapidly around the world in recent months. The situation in Japan is quite unique now. While there were certainly many other factors that played a role in Japan's inflation nightmare since 1990, such as decades of falling property prices, 
This brings us on to the central question of this episode. Is an aging society inflationary or deflationary? Some recent research papers from the Dallas Fed, for example, indicate that an increase in longevity is deflationary while a decline in birth rate is inflationary. Since these are two sides of the same coin, can we say that they are both? Not really, to be honest. Let's analyze it in greater detail by looking at the drivers for one and the other. Let's start by looking at the deflationary pressures that an aging society can cause. The former governor of the Bank of Japan suggested that aging populations were connected to lower growth expectations, which lead to a fall in investment. This situation can be described as shrinkonomics. This is exactly what has happened in Japan for the past 30 years. This mentality is now strongly embedded into society. Secondly, older adults tend to change their lifestyle and spend less. This contributes to weaker economic demand, impacting businesses and the amount of goods or services they provide. Thirdly, a decline in the number of households can greatly affect the housing market. As the population falls, housing demand follows suit, leading to lower property values, which in turn impacts household wealth and can contribute to deflation. In this situation, Japan is also a clear example. While its real estate market is very different from everywhere else, people just don't know what to do with all their houses now. Empty houses in Western Europe are becoming more and more common. In Italy, over 10 million homes are uninhabited, which is just crazy to think about. Even Milan, where rents are increasing like crazy, an estimated 13.1% of all houses in the province are empty. The fourth reason is related to debt. Older individuals might focus on reducing their debt levels. This deleveraging behavior can lead to a fall in spending, further impacting demand. This happened in Japan, and one could argue that it is currently happening in China. While China's government debt is low compared to Western standards, its household debt is sky high. In recent years, home prices plummeted because of the implosion of real estate companies and the struggles of local governments. The mood in China is now very grim. People are now focusing on deleveraging, and this is feeding into extremely low inflation, which is worrying policymakers. The fifth reason is related to financial markets. You see, older individuals might shift their investment behavior towards more conservative assets. This shift, probably into bonds and real estate and away from stocks, can severely impact many businesses that rely on financial markets for growth. This could also incentivize companies to increase their dividends and lower their investments. As we can see, there are many reasons why deflation is a likely consequence of an aging society and we are seeing it in action in many places around the world now. 
Japan, of course, remains the prime case study for this situation, with other Western nations closely behind. But Japan hasn't really gotten out of the deflation and low growth trap just yet. They do seem to be making some progress, but very slowly, and the next few years will demonstrate whether they have succeeded or not. But let's now look at the other side of the coin by understanding what the inflationary pressures might be. As more individuals enter retirement, there is an increased demand for pension and healthcare services. As less people are paying taxes, governments and pension systems may face rising costs while revenues decline. They would have to absolutely spend more, and this could contribute to inflationary pressures. Secondly, an aging population decreases productivity. Japan, for example, has tried making older people work part-time during retirement to ease the economic stagnation. But the reality is that older individuals see diminishing productivity. This can lead to higher production costs, which could be passed on to consumers in the form of higher prices. The third reason is that a decreasing workforce increases the likelihood of wages picking up. We have actually been experiencing this for the last couple of years. Let me explain this point better. When the pandemic hit, central banks applied ultra-loose monetary policies and governments printed money like there was no tomorrow, while global supply chains were disrupted. But global employment and labor trends also changed dramatically during the pandemic. More people got sick, tons of people changed their career, and many went into early retirement. For example, in the UK, the number of economically inactive people due to long-term sickness has increased by over 30% since the pandemic and continues to grow. After the COVID reopening, people suddenly switched their habits. Buying goods and electronics from Amazon was replaced by going outdoors and spending money on services. This led to an incredible demand shock. Disrupted supply chains continued to struggle to keep pace and labor market dynamics had fundamentally changed. In fact, severe labor shortages were reported across many economic sectors. Wages picked up rapidly and contributed to the inflation shock we have been living with for the past couple of years. Because older and sick individuals have dropped out of the labor force in great numbers, inflation can be partially explained by this. Even though central banks have increased interest rates to decades high, labor markets, for now, remain extremely resilient. They have been weakening a bit in recent months, but have held up much better than initially expected. As we can clearly see here, an aging society and changing labor markets were actually inflationary. Of course, many could argue that we also had Russia's invasion of Ukraine, supply chains getting disrupted, and an energy shock in Europe, and that is all very true. But we cannot discount how changing and tight labor markets have also contributed to the inflation picture. 
This brings us on to the end of the episode. So, is an aging society inflationary or deflationary? One can make a strong case for both, and they can prove it in one way or another. But the truth is that before COVID, it was universally accepted that an aging society was deflationary. After COVID, and with inflation increasing, people have started arguing the exact opposite. But these past few years have been crazy, and understanding where labor markets contributed to inflation compared to disrupted supply chains and governments turning on the printing press is very hard to prove. If I were a betting man, which I am not, I would go for the first case and argue that an aging society is deflationary. But who am I to tell? I just hope I'll have a pension one day in the very far future. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cock Time. Please leave a review and follow me wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll be back next time with more insightful research.